Hey, and welcome back to the Well Dressed Podcast. I'm so excited to have you back listening with me today. I have a very exciting guest podcast again. Today we are talking to Christy from Encircled. And if you haven't heard of this brand before, they are a Canadian sustainable ethical brand based in Canada, made in Canada. Absolutely amazing. Their whole ethos is about not compromising on style or comfort or price or anything like that just to achieve something that's sustainable and truly ethical. And I think that's so amazing. It can be quite difficult to shop more sustainably when either things just aren't your style or they're just not at your price point. Um, So if you haven't heard of Encircled, I would highly recommend checking them out. I can't wait to get into this episode and I hope you guys really enjoy it. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much for joining me, Christy, on the Well Dressed podcast. It's an honor to have you. Um, and I was really excited when, um, when Stacey reached out because I am a fan of the brand already, but it's a really nice opportunity to get to know even more about it and how you got started. So um, if you want to just start off kind of introducing yourself and what you do. Sure. Thank you for having me on, Gemma. I'm excited to talk about this with your audience. Uh, My name is Christy Sumer. I'm the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled. We call ourselves a slow fashion brand that does it all. We're based in Toronto, Canada, and we really try to uh, design clothing in a way that's comfortable, stylish, timeless, um, high quality, well-made, we use sustainable fabrics, and we make everything locally as well. So we try to check all the boxes on the things that typically um, over the years consumers have had to kind of compromise on in fast fashion. And because we sell direct to consumer and e-commerce, we try to do this all at a fairly accessible price point as well. Obviously, there's a lot of cost in our supply chain given all the materials we're using in the local and fair labor production. Um, But we try to make designs that are also really versatile, whether it's they are easy to dress up or dress down, like our dressy sweatpants, for example, or they literally change shape and form like our Christmas Cardi, where you can wear it eight different ways, so that our shoppers and customers feel like they get a lot of value out of their garments and that they wear them a lot in their closet, so that the utility of the garment is really high. So then that, in many ways, can justify the value and the price of investing in that garment as well. Yeah, I love that. It's definitely kind of just reduces the cost per wear when you can just have so much versatility in one piece. And I love that you mentioned as well that you don't want to compromise. So you've got style and comfort and quality and the ethics and the sustainability. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because a lot of brands, not because, you know, and they're doing anything wrong, but sometimes they feel like maybe they need to compromise on on certain areas. So I love that you have incorporated all of that into um, Encircled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So we kind of touched on this a little bit when we first talked, but I really, I'm really excited to hear the story about how you got started with Uncircled and like what inspired you to get started. So I feel like my audience will really enjoy this and I'm just going to sit back and listen again because it was a great story. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm happy to talk about that a little bit. So, um, you know, I am not a fashion designer by trade by any means. I actually went to business school. Um, I have a finance degree and I also have an MBA. Uh, I can barely sew. Um, I mean, I've taken a few illustration classes um, just to be able to teach myself how to draw so that I can, you know, share my design ideas originally with a technical designer. Um, But really, I come from, you know, the idea of creating really, you know, functional garments. And my first product idea was brought about 
uh, when I was in my previous career as a management consultant, which uh, basically means you are consulting for different corporations and you're traveling a lot for that reason. So this is back way pre-pandemic when, you know, um, I would live on an airplane. I think one, one year I traveled 120,000 miles by air um, to wow. different client sites. So you basically live out of a suitcase, ideally a carry-on because you don't want to ever check a bag because you're spending so much time at the airport. Um, you know, your airport is your weekly commute. Uh, so you become very savvy at minimizing your time at the airport and how much time you leave before you get on the plane and stuff like that. Sometimes you leave it too close or you almost miss your flight. Um, but so I, you know, I, I wanted to be a more savvy packer. And, you know, I was always very jealous of my male colleagues who could just, you know, bring a tie um, and maybe, you know, a different shirt and then their bag was so small. And then I was putting together all these different outfits so that my client was like impressed with what I was wearing, uh, which I think is generally a big pressure that's on, uh, you know, female identifying people in society is that we always have to look different and, you know, all this kind of stuff that the media portrays, you know? So, um, and actually my first product idea came about when I was actually on vacation from my job because I decided, you know, I was on the bench, which basically meant I didn't have a client. And I was like, last minute, my friend was like, there's a cancellation on this yoga retreat. I'm going on. Um, you want to come along? And I said to her, I've never been on a yoga retreat. I wouldn't even know what to bearing. So I started like overpacking. I was like, yes, I will go to Costa Rica. No problem. You know, packing the night before into the huge suitcase, because again, never been to Costa Rica on a yoga retreat. I, I actually don't think I'd been to Costa Rica at all at that point. So I was bringing tons of stuff like yoga mats, blocks, like all these things. And, um, you know, it was like two or three in the morning and my suitcase broke as I was zipping it up. And, you know, the card was coming to pick me up to the airport in a few hours. Um, didn't have very many options, couldn't call people. It was the middle of the night. So I realized I had to jam everything into a tiny bag. And really that process of downsizing my travel bag was something that piqued an idea in me that, you know, why am I bringing so much stuff? Number one, how can I pack smarter? And I came to the idea that like, what if I had like a piece, you know, that I could wear multiple different ways. So I could wear it as a cardigan on the plane because it's a little chilly in Toronto, Canada will have snow during the winter. Um, and then maybe I can wear it, you know, on the beach as like a dress and, I knew those multi-way garments existed, but the problem with them, and I did have one at the time from a brand called American Apparel, was that the fabric was like cheap and see-through. You know, it was a circle scarf. It was like not hemmed. So you would have to tie it into different looks and it looked like a sack. Like it was so unflattering and the fabric was poor quality. Um, and then really it just didn't functionally work. Like, you know, you could wear it as a scarf and look fine, but anything else, it just looked like you were really trying too hard, but I love the concept. So I was like, how can I take this concept of a multi-weight garment and do it better? And that in itself became our first product idea, which we still have in our collection today, which is called the Chrysalis Cardi. Essentially it's a circle scarf with hidden strategically placed snaps along the hemline. And we use a really beautiful luxe sustainable fabric that drapes well, it's completely opaque. And, you know, formally there's, you know, eight ways you can kind of snap together the snaps to create the different looks and you can make it look like a dress or a cardigan or scarf or a tunic. And then informally, there's probably over 20 ways you can wear it. Um, but that was our first piece. I became very passionate about it, created on my living room floor, my first sample, um, and, you know, fumbled my way through the manufacturing process to get it manufactured and up and running on our website. And that's kind of how we started. I love that. It's it's like it just came out of necessity as well, mm -hmm. which is I feel like 
that's where the best ideas come from. I think as well, like you mentioned about the multi-way, and I, I think sometimes they do tend to be really sheer because it's like they have to stretch and they have to wrap and things. So I love that you've also taken into account like the opacity of the fabric because nobody wants see-through items, I guess. No. Or not a lot of people anyway. <laughs> um, not for like your day-to-day wardrobe, I guess. Yeah. Um, so... Obviously, like style and comfort and everything and quality is really important to you. But what exactly does sustainability mean to you within the brand or even just, you know, personally? Yeah, so it was really important for me from day one to build a brand that had sustainability and ethics at the core foundation of the of the business. Um, a lot of people, well, a lot of brands now are kind of re-engineering back into that. So they're trying to take their supply chains and make them more sustainable. I wanted to, from the beginning, start off that way because I just think it's an easier way to do it, number one. And it was also very in alignment with my own personal values, which I've always had a really big passion for the environment, um, sustainability, um, animal rights, human rights. Um, it's just something I've always very much been interested in personally and felt a little bit at odds with personally in my corporate career when I was working for big brands that maybe necessarily didn't have the best supply chains. So I knew that if I was going to start a brand and I have this product idea, I'm not going to just make it, you know, in Cambodia from some crappy fabric and just sell it on, you know, um, QVC or something like that for like 1999. Like that's not what I'm doing. I'm creating more of a lifestyle and more of a mindset shift. And I want to create a lot of good from the products that I'm creating because um, they talk about it a lot in the industry, how fashion is a big polluter. I know they say it's the second largest polluter, um, though I do think that's like a bit of a disputed fact. But we do know that there's a lot of consumption created by fast fashion and a lot of unnecessary consumption and lots of like toxic fabrics and, you know, harmful labor conditions still being used in the industry today. So it was really important for me to have that at the base. And what that means to us is that we consider sustainability and ethics in everything we do. So from, you know, the fabrics we choose, and again, I think fabrics are a big continuum. So there's not really a perfectly sustainable fabric, despite what people may think. It's oftentimes a trade-off between, you know, less sustainable options with more sustainable options. Everything uses resources. That's the bottom line. But we always consider that in our fabric selection and tend to stick with naturally derived fabrics um, or semi-synthetics that have closed loop processes so that they are uh, really light on impact in the environment and have a very low carbon footprint. Um, we also produce about 50% maybe more than that now locally in terms of our fabric. So we're actually knitting about half our fabric locally too, which also reduces the carbon footprint for the fabric and how far it has to travel and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, our environmental regulations here in Ontario, Canada are very stringent. So you can't just go, you know, dumping dye in rivers and stuff like that. That is not allowed. Our dye house is very high tech and has lots of recycling um, and leads the industry in recycling of water and creation of energy from you know, the product they're creating. So that's one aspect as well. But this also impacts, you know, everything from how we design the product, like I talked about, like sustainability is actually wearing your clothes. Like that's one of the most sustainable things you can do is buy clothing that you're going to wear and keep for a long time. So that's why when you talked about the cost per wear, that's something that's really we're passionate about. Like I love when I hear that, you know, people have kept our dressy sweatpants for six years and they wear them every day because what's better than that for the environment than having a piece that you wear over and over again. So that comes down to like really thoughtfully and intentionally designed clothing. 
all the way to, you know, the products that we use, the paper that we buy for, to print on, to the cleaning products used in our office, to how we power our office and our internet providers, all the way up to, I would say, like the production and end of life cycle. So we try to, um, you know, collect majority of our fabric scraps from production and upcycle them into actual garments or responsibly recycle them. And we also host like a Facebook group where people can buy, sell and trade their encircled pieces if, you know, they don't fit anymore or maybe they're not their style anymore. So we try to facilitate this from a circular perspective as much as possible because sustainability, again, is like a continuum and it's kind of something where you can't just like take one piece of it. You know, if you're making sustainably, you know, garments from sustainable fabrics, but you're using slave labor, that is not sustainable. So again, this touches our labor supply chain too. Like where are we making it? We're making it locally, reducing our carbon footprint, ensuring fair wages and living wages. Um, so really for us, it's just in everything that we do. Um, you know, I think a great example is like, we don't take unpaid interns. That's something that the fashion industry is notorious for exploiting labor for college students and stuff like that. We yeah, our absolutely. I've been know. there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure many people have. I mean, I've, I've heard allegedly that Chanel doesn't, like they used to not pay their interns, which is crazy to me. Like they're living in New York City, you know? So um, that's something we're really passionate about. So the, all that feeds into, you know, our B Corp certification, which we're very uh, proud of and our rating on there and that assessment process. But we, we had that before B Corp. So that's always just been something fundamentally that we've believed in um, as a core value at Encircled. That's great. I mean, it's really nice to hear it from you as well, because it literally feels like you've covered everything, like you've thought of absolutely everything, like even down to, you know, the things you use in your office, which is amazing. Um, because I feel like there are so many different parts of a brand that even the customer never sees and you never really know what's happening behind closed doors. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, you can have organic or sustainable fabrics, um, but they're not made in a sustainable way or, yeah, I just, I think as well, the point you said about um, wearing your clothes is one of the most sustainable things you can do. And I think from a consumer point of view, that's where your power is. It's like, even if you don't have all the options um, for like where you can buy something or what quality it's, it is or what fabric it's made out of, wearing what you have is your power. Is mm -hmm. like it's reducing cost per wear. And then again, like you mentioned, the circular, um, the idea of circular fashion and you know selling it on or you know passing it on to a new home. And I love that you have your own Facebook group for that because mm -hmm. that it's literally just like another thing that perhaps other brands haven't even considered and you've just kind of done it all, which um, is really nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, I think we can always, we're always looking for ways to be better and improve in, in the ways we're doing things. But I think what you said is really important. And like one thing that I didn't mention is that we do a lot of education on sustainable fashion in general and ethical buying and per local shopping and capsule wardrobes because capsule wardrobes are a way to live a more minimal lifestyle and have like a really, you know, great functional wardrobe without that pressure again to like buy, you know, that floral bike short for like one season and throw it out, which is really unsustainable. Even if it's made from organic cotton, it doesn't matter. Like, like you said, it's just a waste of resources on all sides. So I think it's important for brands to look at this holistically as well as consumers, because there's so much you can do even without spending money to have a more sustainable closet and have, you know, uh, you know, to 
think more intentionally before you shop and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, capsule wardrobes 100% saved me from my kind of sordid past of buying so much like fast fashion, you know, when like fashion blogging first started and it was like monthly haul were like the thing that everyone did. And it was almost like if you weren't doing it, like you weren't keeping up with things. And I remember I would go shopping when I was a student, at least I would do like a monthly haul on my YouTube channel even though I had no money and it would just be in these fast fashion retailers Mm -hmm. and none of them kind of followed my own personal style because I was just buying what I could afford Mm -hmm. and keeping up with trends and I hate to think about it now but you know I've learned from it and Mm -hmm. at least I have that kind of past and that's why I try to share the messages of you know having a capsule wardrobe choosing more sustainable options because I've been there and I know the struggle and I know it is difficult to get out of that cycle when Mm -hmm maybe you feel that you can't afford to spend more money on clothing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're conditioned to think that clothes should only cost a certain amount of money. And just to kind of, I guess, release yourself from that conditioning Mm -hmm. is difficult and it is a journey. But again, it comes down to that cost per wear Mm -hmm. of you could buy like 10 tops for a tenner each, or you could buy one for a hundred and, you know, wear it like 10 times more than any of the other items you could have got. So... Totally. I love that you mentioned capsule wardrobes anyway. And I know that's kind of included as well in your um, idea that all of your pieces will kind of mix and match together too, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's from the genesis of where the brand started. Yes, we started in travel, but the idea was really traveling light. And, you know, if you can travel in just a carry on bag for like two weeks, then why do you need so much stuff in your closet? You know, a lot of us are not wearing most of our wardrobe. We're wearing like 20%, maybe 50% of our wardrobe, but I'm guessing it's closer to 20. I think Um, it is closer to 20. So it's like a big waste of resources, not just like fabrics and materials, but your own financial resources on these clothes that you're never going to wear. And I can speak from this too, from full disclosure, when I was in my 20s, you know, I just turned 41. um, I used to be a fast fashion shopper. And I used to be, you know, at Winners, which is like a kind of like a multi, it's like a discount retailer in Canada, um, where you can buy stuff off price that brands have overstock on, basically, I'd be there every week in college looking for that new going out shirt, because there was just that pressure to always look like you had what's new, but the reality was I couldn't afford it, number one. And then I'm buying stuff and never wearing it. And it was so, so wasteful. So just going through the process of actually running this business and seeing what goes into making clothing, it's really shifted my perspective around how much clothing should cost and our our opinions towards clothing and also like what we actually really need in our wardrobes. Yeah, that's a really good point actually about like, because you've learned through the process. And I think for anyone listening who maybe feels like they can't detach from that fast fashion trap. I think educating yourself about the industry and the fast fashion industry in particular is like one of the best things you can do because eventually you can't unsee mm-hmm. what goes on behind closed doors. And that almost helps. Like you just it almost creates like a barrier that you're just like, you know what? I don't really want anything to do with that anymore. Yeah. So even though you, you still want new clothes and you still, you know, you can, I mean, even for myself, I still see things and I want them. Usually I just stay out of stores now, but I can still want them, but I know that I don't want the burden of where that came from or who made it. Yeah. And I'll just feel so guilty if it ends up in my wardrobe. So yeah, I definitely think like reading books and listening to podcasts and, you know, reading up about brands as well and finding out what they're doing um, versus what fast fashion brands are doing. It's, 
it's a really good way to, I guess, just develop the idea of, you know, refining your style, building a capsule wardrobe, living with less, but just getting so much more out of it in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is kind of a, it's, it's a difficult question because none of us really know where the industry is going right now. But what do you predict will be like the biggest change within the industry in the next, I don't know, five years, five to 10 years or so? Or like, what would be the biggest contribution to a more sustainable industry? I do think it's going to become um, somewhat more regulated around, like, I do think you'll start to see um, some fibers that are pretty common um, that are probably the most toxic fibers out there. Um, I'm talking like virgin nylon, virgin polyester, even conventional cotton to a certain extent that's got a lot of pesticides in its growth and use, um, start to be treated differently. Um, I think governments, and I hope actually, that government agencies will step up to start to realize the impact on the environment of these and start to tax them appropriately. Because really we've seen that like, the motivations for these big brands who are using, who are the biggest consumers of some of these fabrics, you know, it's always comes down to cost, right? So like, what's the cheapest and what's going to give my shareholders the biggest return on equity? Um, And their incentive is to do that. Their incentive isn't to, um, you know, choose the highest, best use, lowest impact fabric um, because it's going to on cost and then they can't charge the same prices and all that kind of stuff. And then what happens further down the supply chain for brands like my brand and other brands is like, you know, there's just not enough demand for those more sustainable fibers, then they're more expensive. And then it's like harder for us to compete in the market. So something has to shift. And I do think you're starting to see, um, you know, home country governments. So like, for example, the government of Canada hold companies who are Canadian accountable for what they do overseas. Um, you know, so whether that's how they make their fabrics or how they treat their labor, um, you're starting to see that kind of idea of accountability being held at like the government level, which I think is important because I don't think a lot of these brands will regulate themselves. Um, I run in a circle with like a lot of slow fashion brands, sustainable brands and other spaces like beauty and stuff like that. And um, what it's really taken to shift is, you know, consumer awareness for sure. And consumers can push companies to be better. But at the end of the day, unless it's like regulated, nobody's going to participate. So I do think the sustainability in fashion is going to become more mandated and there's going to be more accountability for how much these brands are producing and also what they're doing with overstock and stuff like that. Because um, again, like a lot of this behavior, um, you'll see brands come out and say, oh, by 2050, we're going to use all responsible, you know, a BCI certified cotton. You're like, 2050 like that's like so far away it's almost insane um hello what will the environment even look like by then yeah I mean who's not scared about that I definitely am so um you know people need to take action now and you know it needs to be regulated and I think you're going to start to see that as climate change becomes more and more of a climate it's climate emergency right now but as it becomes climate red alert, you're going to start seeing that across all industries, not just fashion, but I think a lot of the petroleum and oil companies and all that kind of stuff are going to be held more accountable for their outputs into the environment. Yeah, I really hope so. And I think that is a great area to focus on in the industry because it kind of, 
it sets the groundwork for all brands to follow. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes up like regulations, you know, it kind of takes away. I what am I trying to say? I think when companies are held accountable and it's not the pressure put on the consumers to make better choices all the time and it's not kind of forced on the consumer to be making the decision like you need to be buying these kinds of fabrics and you need to only buy from these kinds of brands and you know it just it takes the pressure off the consumers a little bit Mm -hmm. and holds the companies accountable which I think is yeah what you said holding them accountable is really important. Yeah and I think we're past the point of you know, I talk about this a lot and I do think it's important for consumers to make more sustainable choices in all areas of their lives. But I think we're past the point where, you know, um, consumers choosing paper straws over plastic is going to save the planet. So there needs to be more extreme action. And that's not going to be the individual. That's going to be the collective. And who controls the most collective is usually, you know, government regulators and stuff like that. So you know, they need to really step up here to put the laws in place to protect the environment. Um, And we only hope that they will do that because I don't know what the other answer is. Realistically, we've been waiting 50 years for companies to step up and most of them have not. So um, I think it's really, you know, I'm always in admiration of the small brands who are trying to do great things. And I think that's really, really important that we keep trying to do those things and we keep educating, but it's a lot of pressure to put on you know, an industry where probably 98% of the fashion is still, you know, fast fashion production, and you've got 2% of the companies trying to change the tide, like, it's just so hard for us to make that change um, resonate. So I really do think it has to come from, you know, the regulations and taxes and hit them where it hurts, which is usually in their wallet. Mm, Absolutely. So in terms of from a consumer point of view, um, what would be your tips for building a more sustainable wardrobe? Yeah, so I think a great starting point is really to do an audit of your current wardrobe and see what you really have right now. Um, I think you want to start with thinking about, um, you know, what is your current lifestyle? You know, a lot of us are now working from home, but are you going back to work in an office? What's the dress code? Um, you know, some people in the last few years, maybe they've had children, maybe their lifestyles change, maybe they don't go out as much. Maybe they don't go to as many weddings anymore because maybe, you know, all your friends are married. Um, just take a real assessment of how you're spending your time and think about like, where you spend most of your time and then look at your wardrobe and see how aligned that is to where you are today. Um, I always recommend with starting with what you have already and doing an assessment and seeing, you know, is there stuff that you're not wearing that maybe they're like secret little gems that you could be wearing more. Um, you just forget about cause they're tucked away in your closet or, um, you know, are there things in your closet where you no longer wear them because they just don't suit your lifestyle? Like, for example, I used to work in corporate, so I held on to my corporate suits for a very long time before I realized I am never wearing those again. Um, and I put them on Poshmark and sold them. Um, you know, so it's not always like you're throwing stuff out, but it's editing, right? And curating your wardrobe. So I would recommend starting there first and starting with what you have assessing versus your lifestyle, seeing if stuff fits. Is there stuff that's like maybe like pilling or stained? Can you repair it? Or could it be like responsibly recycled? Um, And then I think it's more of a practice of when you are thinking of buying things to add to your wardrobe. And I'm not saying never buy anything. Of course not. I make clothing. That would be silly. But I am saying um, be intentional with your choices. So like if you are going to go out and 
you know, it's just like almost like anything in your life. Like it's like slowing down a little bit the process. So I think fast fashion loves it when we impulse buy, when we, you know, see that new, you know, fluorescent pink bag and it's the bag, the bag of the moment because the celebrity is carrying it and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and they're going to make a knockoff. So you got to have it now. And there's only a hundred, la- like there's a, like a lot of like madness created through that, but instead like slowing down that fashion cycle and really saying like, okay, this season, you know, I'm going to buy a new pair of straight lead jeans. This is what I want in them. I want them to be stretchy. Maybe I want them to be light wash. I want them to be organic. And then doing your research and looking up brands that might have those pieces. And then like really setting yourself up with like a budget, like, you know, I'm going to spend, you know, a hundred dollars on these jeans. And then maybe I need a new white t-shirt. Maybe I can swap something with a friend for a scarf. Maybe I can go on Poshmark and get my new loafers that I want for the season or whatever, but just being more intentional about mapping out what you actually need in your wardrobe. And then I I would say like the third most sustainable thing you can do with your wardrobe, other than obviously wearing what you own is really taking care of the clothing that you have. Um, so this is something we like to talk about in circle quite a bit, because again, using natural fabrics, um, they have a different longevity than a synthetic, which makes sense, right? Because polyester is essentially plastic. So, you know, that polyester pant is going to outlive me and probably everybody we know, um, cause it will never biodegrade. Whereas like an organic cotton t-shirt, probably after like 500 washes, maybe it'll start to maybe form holes in it and stuff like that. And then it'll eventually biodegrade and return to the earth. Um, so we really want to take care of our clothing. That means like hand washing, avoiding the dryer, laying flat, hang to dry or gentle cycle using sustainable detergents. Um, all that kind of stuff that, you know, sometimes we just take for granted how much stuff we can throw in the washer and pop in the dryer. And then we end up either ruining stuff or accelerating pilling, um, or creating holes or burning our clothes. Um, God forbid. So I think it's really important that we actually take care of what we own. And then also like, obviously like the more streamlined your wardrobe can be, um, you know, the more you can actually see what you own. So like when we have these overstuffed closets of like thousands of pieces or hundreds of pieces of clothing, you often forget what you even have. And then you're like, what am I going to wear? I have nothing to wear. Like who's not done that moment where they're like picking through their closet and they're like, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear. And then you're all of a sudden you're like, actually I have like 800 pieces I could be wearing. So I think yeah, you just can't see amongst yeah, everything. What's yeah. actually there. Marie Kondo, your wardrobe, like fold everything nicely. Like I just moved like a month, two months ago and I had organizers come in and unpack for me because I was so busy and they labeled everything. They labeled like summer hoodies, winter hoodies. <laughs> like, wow. and, like now I know exactly where everything is. It's like so organized. I'm like, oh, there's my graphic tees. There's my workout tees. Like everything's just like in its place. And that creates a lot of calm and makes it so much easier to get dressed in the morning. And then you're actually going to wear more of your closet, which again, is also very sustainable too. Definitely. And I love how, like your, obviously your tips for sustainable wardrobe is kind of like, you know, use what you have first, then make intentional decisions. But a lot of that sustainability comes after the purchase. Like, how are you going to look after it? How are you going to store it? How are you going to make sure that you're seeing these pieces in your wardrobe so you're going to want to wear them I just think if not more than 50% at least 50% of the sustainability comes from what you do once you own that item totally yeah dry cleaning is probably like one of the worst things you can ever do to the environment or your clothing so the less dry clean only stuff you can buy or do I think the better also I always find like I mean I'm not going to 
don't take this as Bible because <laughs> I don't want to ruin anyone's clothes, but I always find when I have things that say dry clean only, I can just hand wash them and they're fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe it depends on the fabric or how expensive it is, but or just a spot clean or something like that. Yeah. I, I'm way too lazy to go get things dry cleaned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many chemicals used in dry cleaning. And, and like you said, some of it is just like, doing a little, maybe it takes a few extra seconds, but the beauty of like today is we almost have too much information. So a quick Google may show you like the best way to wash, let's say like a merino wool t-shirt or something like that by hand and what detergent to use. Cause oftentimes it's just a lot of like, um, you know, they, they say dry clean only because they don't want you to throw in the washing machine. Um, but realistically, like what you said, it would be fine with a hand wash. So definitely do your research on that for sure. I, I, I vaguely remember as well, I don't know as I was speaking to someone who worked for a particular brand, I can't remember who it was, but they said that they would label a lot of things dry clean only because they just didn't want the repercussions of if someone washed something and it didn't work out well. So it's not necessarily that that piece had to be dry cleaned, but they were just kind of covering their own asses basically by saying dry clean only. Yeah. So I think it's, um, (laughs) yeah, I know getting to know your own clothes. And I think as well, like you said, if you're purchasing a lot of natural fabrics, you're going to eventually get to know how they react with different kinds of wash, um, washing or drying methods. So totally a little bit of experimenting and educating, I guess. Yeah. So I know this is going to be different for everybody because everyone's style is different. So there's no like go to like, you know, tick the boxes of like what you need in a capsule wardrobe. But what would be your key pieces in a capsule wardrobe? Hmm. So I would say it's changed quite a bit during the pandemic, uh, to be honest. Like, I definitely got... Not surprising. (laughs) Yeah, not surprising, right? Like, I definitely... Well, I don't go to work anymore, so I work from home still. Um, You know, our office is really only open to essential workers, so people who need to do their job in the office, and we're on reduced capacity still. Um, So, and I'm not one of those people who needs to be in the office most of the time. So... Um, I definitely prioritize comfort right now, uh, for sure. So I would say like our dressy sweatpants, uh, are close to probably the number one most worn thing for me, even pre pandemic, I wore them a lot. Um, you know, they're just really comfy and I almost, I don't feel like, you know, when you wear like a fleece jogger, they're not like that. Like I feel a little bit more dressed up. So I feel a little Mm -hmm. bit more fancy in those sweatpants. So they always make me feel like a little bit good about myself when I put them on. I don't feel like I'm like just, you know, rolled out of bed kind of thing. Um, I would definitely say like, um, you know, any sort of like classic tea for me is really key in a wardrobe, Um, like a basic, a really nice basic white t-shirt, like a v-neck or a tank, like made out of nice fabric, like an organic cotton bamboo or something like that is a really good piece. Um, Just that goes with everything, like goes with you know, a bike short or a denim or a skirt. Like there's just so many ways you can style a basic white tee. Um, And then probably the third most worn thing, if I'm really honest in my wardrobe right now, is probably leggings. But I would say if I had to pick something from a capsule wardrobe perspective, I always go back to denim because I just think denim is super classic. I know there's a lot of like chatter about um, what style of denim is in right now. And I know that changes a lot, but you know, just buy whatever feels good in for you and suits your body type. And, you know, if you can find more, there's lots of great new sustainable blends of 
um, denim out there, whether it's organic cotton or some brands are using, you know, Modal in their denim or Tencel plus like recycled polyester and stuff like that. So there's, there's lots of sustainable options for denim now, which is great. Um, but I think you'll never regret investing in, you know, really well-made pieces like that, like a really well-made t-shirt that's going to last, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of washes. Same with denim. You get so much wear out of them and they're always classic and they never go out of style. Yeah, I totally agree. I think sometimes when you have just like that perfect, like white t-shirt or black t-shirt, whatever is your go-to color and like the perfect pair of jeans, it's just one of those outfits that could take you almost anywhere. And Mm -hmm. I know when I wear something like that, I just... I end up feeling really me in it because it's almost like the outfit is so basic. It lets me shine through it. If that mm-hmm. isn't too cheesy. No, not at <laughs> but all. It's just like, you know, the perfect fit. And it's just, I mean, maybe for other people who feel more themselves in something, you know, printed or colorful, that's obviously great too. But yeah, one of those basic outfits is, is usually one of my go-tos. Mm-hmm. And I think for denim as well. Like I definitely used to love my skinny jeans because I guess at one point that was nearly all that was in where that was kind of stylish. And I know um, they're trying to, you know, get rid of skinny jeans, but I still love them. (laughs) I think for winter in particular, because in summer wearing a pair of skinny jeans is a bit sticky and Mm -hmm. a bit too hot, but I particularly love them in winter. And then I'll have like a straight leg denim in summer. So a bit looser. And that's kind of how I work my denim wardrobe. Um, <laughs> that also kind of leads me on to my next question. So what outfit makes you feel like your best self? Like what would be your go-to if you kind of needed like, you just feel needed to feel just like you or you needed like a pick-me-up or something like that? Yeah, it's interesting because I think clothing, um, how you dress can really impact how you feel for sure. Um but also, like, I find when I do my hair, which I don't do very often anymore, full disclosure, and put on some makeup, which I also don't do, you feel like just, or you get your nails done or something, you just feel like a new person. Um, and I think I really yeah, I agree. that. I don't after, do my a lot either. Yeah. Well, and also, we were in a lockdown here for a very long time, so I couldn't even get my hair done for almost a year, actually, which is crazy. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's more of, like, again coming back to what you said, I think is really important. Like what makes you feel the most like you? And I would say I have this pair of citizens of humanity jeans. They're made in USA. They're ripped. I bought them six years ago, seven years ago from anthropology. They just fit me so well. Um, they're like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but <laughs> yeah, like every time we do a model shoot, I bring them in and somehow they'll fit like a model, but they'll look different on her. Um, they'll look more boyfriendy. So like, I don't know, they're just like the most versatile jean and I get so many comp- compliments on them and you can wear them in the summer or winter cause you can roll them up. Um, when I put on that and just like one of my favorite tanks, like we have these tanks uh, right now made out of a linen blend that are kind of like the reversible. So you can wear them like with a high neck or a low neck. Um, I just feel like myself and just like a nice slide, like leather slide or something like that. Um, I feel like me, I'm a very casual athleisure kind of person. I always have been, I really struggled with wearing suits uh, when I was in corporate and I do like dressing up, but that's not me on the everyday. So I think I feel most like myself and best if I've done my hair, put on those ripped jeans, a really nice shirt, maybe slap on five minutes of makeup. And that's just my style. I'm very relaxed, kind of like LA style stuck in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great look. And I agree with the kind of 
when you have your hair and makeup done, it's kind of just like you feel polished and you're just on like, you know, a, a little bit of an up-leveled version of you, but it's not over the top and it's not trying to, again, like detract from your personality or take away from you, I guess. Yeah. It's just like those little finishing touches. Um, okay, so I talk a lot on this podcast. I mean, it's called Well-Dressed and that kind of came from not necessarily always looking your best, but the wellness side of fashion and how to use fashion as a wellness tool. And I know there's a lot of kind of studies done on dressing to either like reflect your mood, like whether you're thinking about doing it or not. Um, and then there's also the kind of flip side where you can dress to enhance your mood. So do you ever kind of notice yourself either dressing to kind of, if there's certain pieces that you use, again, like I kind of said, if you needed to pick me up, if you needed to enhance your mood, are there certain items you would would be your go-to apart from, I mean, maybe it is just your, um, your jeans mm-hmm. or do you, do you find yourself thinking about that when you're getting dressed, how it kind of will affect you and your mood that day? Yeah. I mean, I think I used to be a little bit more tied to that. I think when I was like really obsessed with fast fashion, I kind of felt like I couldn't if I wanted to feel good, I had to like be really dressed up and, and I'd ha- also have to wear something nobody had ever seen me before in, um, which is a lot of pressure to put on uh, oneself um, for sure. I'm now a huge mm-hmm. outfit repeater, like huge. People see me all the time on TikTok and they're like, you're wearing a gray tank top. I'm like, that's right. I only have four of them and I wear them all the time. Um, you know, so I for me, it's like, Um, whatever makes me feel more confident and put together and comfortable. So, you know, during the pandemic, I wore a lot of leggings, especially this summer. I've worn a lot of crop leggings, um, walking my dog outside right now in Toronto, it's 40 degrees Celsius. It's very hot here. Um, you know, and a great tank top that flatters me. Like it's more about fit now and comfort that makes me feel more confident. Um, I feel like when, I'm wearing clothing that fits me really well and that flatters my body, then I feel more confident. It's less about like, is this the latest style for me? And I think that's maybe just something that's come with age. And the fact that I don't follow celebrities, number one, I have like, I had no idea what the Kardashian sisters' names were, quite honestly, until like somewhat recently. Like, I just don't pay attention to any of that. And I barely actually even read fashion magazines. Like, I don't at all, which surprises people because I run a fashion brand. But I also run a brand that's based on different principles and based on timelessness. And we're not really watching the trends. We're really thinking about functionality and longevity. So um, for me, it's just more about... Um, yeah, finding pieces that fit really well, flatter my body where it is today, make me feel great. Um, and also choosing pieces that I feel good buying, you know, brands that I feel good buying from. And I think that's, that's challenging still in some categories, for sure. You know, we we tend to be in the athleisure space. Uh, there's definitely, you know, when you get into different spaces, now there's more and more brands emerging, for sure. But it's definitely still a lot of extra work for somebody to go around and, you know, vet the ethics of a brand before they purchase something. So I think, again, it comes back to that intentional dressing um, and buying stuff that makes you feel good. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I love that you mentioned the fit and the kind of comfort as well. Because that definitely, like, if you're comfortable in what you're wearing, that's obviously going to keep you in a better mood. Mm-hmm. You could look amazing, but if something's too tight or too short or too long or something isn't right about how you feel in it, then it's going to throw you off. And I feel like ultimately you end up not looking so great in it if 
if that's really obvious like you know and you have that killer pair of heels but you just can't walk in them yes <laughs> never a bit luck. They look amazing <laughs> yeah I mean I just got rid of all my heels because I just realized that I can't walk in them and it's been a while since I've worn like anything more than like a two and a half inch heel and I'm okay with that now so yeah, yeah. but um yeah I think that's that's Great. I feel like that's kind of everything that I had in my head to ask you. Lastly, I want to ask where um, people can find you. Mm -hmm. um, you're, in, you're on Instagram and website and everything. Um, if you want to kind of share that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody online. You can check out Encircled. Our website is encircled, E-N-C-I-R-C-L-E-D.co. Um, on Instagram, we're at encircled underscore. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Christy Sumer. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R. And we're at the same places on TikTok too, if you want to check us out over there as well. I love connecting with, um, you know, listeners that discover me on the podcast. I love hearing your questions about capsule wardrobes, sustainable fashion, um, educating consumers is really one of my passions as well. Um, you know, so definitely reach out and DM me if you listen to this podcast. I'd love to chat with you. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for, for being on it. And I feel like this has kind of even like educated me to like extra. And now it's <laughs> given me a bit more of a, a passion to, you know, stay out of shops and stay away from, I mean, I don't read fashion magazines anymore either because they're definitely too tempting, but I scroll through Instagram a lot and I end up wanting a lot of things. So that's kind of, it's like a nice little reset for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's progress over perfection, right? When it comes to the transition to more sustainable fashion. So if you are shopping a lot of fast fashion, don't feel bad about it. Just take it as a, you know, this podcast as an opportunity to reevaluate your choices and see how you can do better with your next purchase. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, have a great rest of your day. Okay, take care, Gemma. All right. You ya. too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode with Christy. It was actually really, um, is really educational and informative for me as well when I was kind of having this conversation with her. And every podcast, every guest podcast that I've done has really been that for me. So it's almost like listening to the episode myself. Um, so I hope from your perspective, it feels the same and it feels as informative and inspiring as well, because trying to have a more sustainable wardrobe can seem so heavy sometimes and seem like such a responsibility and a burden um, because it's not always the easiest thing to achieve. But I hope today's episode just gave you a little bit of inspiration and made you feel like it is possible to have a sustainable wardrobe. Sometimes it's by shopping with a sustainable brand. Um, something that matches your style and your personality and your budget and your ethics, of course, and your morals. But also, you know, it's within the clothes that you wear. It's how you wear them, how long you wear them for, how you look after them and kind of the longevity of the item within your wardrobe too, which is my biggest takeaway from this episode. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll speak to you soon in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.